season premiere of SNL, hosted by Miley Cyrus, is over. But we're just getting started here on the SNL recap on post-show recaps. And now here are the two guys who have not yet disappeared to go join the squad. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am great. It is so good to be back. I'm finally let out of my box after a summer off. Happy fall. Thank you. Thank you. And it actually feels almost fall-esque out here in Los Angeles today. Yeah, it's overcast day today. It's not a million degrees up here in the office, so I appreciate that. Anyway, so we are live here getting ready to recap the premiere of SNL with Miley Cyrus. And typically we have done these on Google Hangouts before in the past. This week uh, we are doing it here on Blab.im, which is a new platform I'm not sure if uh, too many of you guys who listen to the SNL podcast regularly are familiar with it, but it allows us to be uh, even more interactive and we have a chat room going. And then we also are able to take your questions and bring you on. We'll be hearing from uh, James Keaston a little bit to talk about the musical guests, the musical stylings of Miley Cyrus and much more. So we can be taking your questions here in the chat room as we go along. Plus, we can also uh, hear from you guys as well if people want to pop on and uh, give us their take as we move along. Rich, so here we go. First of three weeks in a row in season 41 of SNL. Are you pumped up? Oh, this is great. I'm very excited. Three strong weeks uh, coming up. Some good guests. Obviously, we'll we'll talk at the end about uh, what will be the most interesting, which is the week of the 18th when we have an alumni join us. But uh, yeah, just uh, it's it's the season. We're back. It's so exciting. Set that up for the people who don't know who's coming up on SNL. So next week we have the person that that I guessed and I think you did as well was going to host the season premiere, which is Amy Schumer. So close. It is this it is the season of, of Amy. A very odd that they didn't bring her on for the season premiere, but clearly looking forward to her. And then uh, and then the week after we have uh, the the alumni are, you know, Tracy Jordan is back. Uh, um, I'm going to pull up uh, who the I should say who the musical guests are as well uh, while we're talking about this. So next week we're going to have weekend, uh, Amy right? Schumer with the weekend. Sorry. And then. Uh, uh, closing out our first three will be the great Tracy Morgan with uh, Demi Lovato. Uh, as most people probably, if you're listening to this, you probably know Tracy Morgan was in a horrible car accident uh, and was uh, in a coma, su- uh, suffered severe brain damage, and was we wondered if he was even going to make it. We saw him at the Emmys just a few weeks ago, which was great. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how he will fare coming back. But obviously, he's going to be so much love in the room, and I'm sure a lot of cameos that week. Very exciting. Okay, so uh, Rich, we had our season premiere that we're going to recap here, uh, talk about all of the major moments from the episode uh, with that. But first, let me just ask you, what did you think overall about the first night back for SNL? I, I mean, I really liked it a lot. I mean, I will say that, you know, what I think people often forget is that season premieres of SNL are rough. They're really hard. Everyone's cold. They've been hibernating in a cave, eating honey and, you know, whatever for a whole season, a whole summer. They're back. Everyone's sort of shaken off the dust. And, you know, we had Chris Pratt last year, which was, you know, mm, and uh, and before that we had uh, Tina Fey and even as an alumni. So, so you know, I judge these different different than I'm going to judge an episode that we're going to see around Christmas time. And I thought that for everyone coming back, a lot of funny, a lot to like, couple of misses, of course, always going to be some misses. Uh, but overall, I thought a very solid beginning to the season. So, Rich, what sort of housekeeping changes did SNL make getting ready for its 41st season? 
So, you know, the big news, which is no news, is that nobody left the show. So, uh, you know, Keenan did not retire. Nobody was asked to leave. So we did promote uh, four people from featured player to new cast members. So Beck Bennett, Kyle Mooney, Sashir Zameda, and Colin Jost all moved over to full cast members. Uh, that leaves us with Michael Che, Pete Davidson, and Leslie Jones as still being featured players. And that seems to just be a chronological thing. Beck, Kyle, Sashir, and, and Colin all joined us in season season 39 at some point michael pete and, and leslie joined us in season 40 so it doesn't seem to be political seems to be a timing thing and then we have our new featured player john radinsky who uh was a stand-up comedian uh was with the groundlings uh i might guess is he was in the sunday company which was sort of the uh the 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 pinnacle of the class structure uh to be make it to the sunday company is quite a big deal but it's not the main company but still a very big deal uh so he joined us and as we saw last year with our featured players got uh in i might say more screen time than someone like uh you know my man bobby moynihan so uh an interesting sort of a welcome to him to the group it was fun to see him at the end uh being very excited so so not a lot of though changes you know obviously uh leslie jones being one of the newest people was in all of the promos that i saw for the season premiere so they're really sort of i think sort of betting hard on uh on leslie jones this season yeah it was a big night for leslie jones uh, especially from the second half on she was really all over this thing yes very much so okay so uh, we will talk about that and much more also, uh, the big newsmaking uh, part of this was the appearance of Hillary Clinton, uh, yes. which we'll talk about. But let's let's get into this. Let's start with the opening monologue, which was the Trump and Melania address. Rich, we knew all summer long, really, the Trump thing really started to happen right after SNL went off the air for yep. the end of season 40. And we were waiting all summer long for SNL's take on Trump. And here it is. We get Trump. Were you disappointed with what we ultimately got from SNL? No, I liked it a lot. I thought I mean, I would say I judge this uh, almost more as a sort of live public beta of the Trump impression. You know, they had announced over the summer that Taron Killam was going to play Trump. I think that they I mean, it was a reason for press, but I also think it was a way to say, yes, even though Daryl Hammond is in house and he famously did Donald Trump for years, we're not going to use him. We're going to have one of the new guys do it. Was I disappointed when I first heard that? Yes. I love uh, Daryl Hammond's Donald Trump. But in watching this, I, I really did feel like, no, this is the right move. We we want a fresh take. Like, it's a different Donald. As we see any time, uh, you know, a president, you know, impression is is passed from one cast member to another. It sort of changes. And I, I would say, was this the funniest? No, but I'm very okay with that. I feel like this is going to be really good. I like that it was different, even to the extent that it was interesting that we got through an entire Donald Trump sketch without him ever saying you're fired, which I actually thought was an interesting sort of sign of this is making fun of Donald Trump, the politician. We're not going back to the old tropes that Daryl Hammond was famous for. And I thought bringing on uh, 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 Cecily Strong, not another and not as another bangable daughter, but as Melania was a very smart move. I thought the two of them together added a lot to that. So I really liked it. You know, for me, I just feel like that we had so much talk like during I remember during that first Republican debate. I remember so many people were on Twitter like, oh, my God, this is the funniest SNL sketch I've seen in years where Donald Trump has been so big and has been so broad over the course of the summer. I was just expecting 
SNL to be a little more out there. And I felt like this was a much more subtle approach to Trump and him himself, that he has been so, you know, such a uh, character, such a character. And uh, I guess you could say a caricature that Mm -hmm. I felt like this was very subdued in terms of how SNL first uh, touches president uh, not presidential nominee Trump. Yeah, well, and uh, we'll actually let's talk about it now because we're we're going to talk about it in a couple of sketches. The one of the things that logistically, the fact that it was just him and Melania and not a Republican debate, we didn't sort of you know bring in the whole troop to like let's get in a Jeb Bush impression, let's get a Marco Rubio impression, let's let's sort of set the stage. Let's do a Carly Fiona impression. I think had very a lot to do with what was going on behind the scenes. It was announced, I think Friday, maybe even Thursday, that Hillary Clinton was going to show up to do the cold open with uh, with Kate McKinnon. Uh, so we all knew this was going to happen. And of course, if you're going to have that big of a guest, you want to put it in the cold open. Well, she's not in the cold open. It actually comes quite later in the first major block of SNL pre-update, which I'm going to guess had something to do with a scheduling issue with Hillary Clinton. So I think that this was sort of thrown together a little bit. I think that if they had known a week and a half ago, we were, you know, it's just going to be Donald Trump in the cold open. We would have had bigger, more production value. It probably would have been some kind of a debate type kind of format. So I think that they just sort of put this together as a, oh, okay, we're going to do something last minute because we need to stall because Hillary's not going to get here till 10 o'clock or whatever. I think that had a lot to do with it. Rich, I don't want to make this at all about our personal politics, but in terms of the politics of SNL, did you feel like that this show in general was a complete and utter endorsement of Hillary Clinton and a knockdown of every other candidate both on the Republican and Democratic side. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know, you know, obviously, you know, watching and reading a lot about sort of the backstage stuff about SNL, everyone talks about how they try to keep politics out of it and they try to just look at it from what is everybody thinking right now? I think that will change once there's a very strong Republican contender that's not Donald Trump. But, you know, going into it right now, I think sort of the the general sort of layman opinion of like there's, you know, she is the person to beat right now. Of course, the fact that she's on the show, they always say that they don't pull punches because of a cameo. But I mean, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. But it also, I think, is just a reflection of the landscape right now, because I don't think she took any shots whatsoever from SNL. And I think that all the other candidates, especially even uh, Trump, when we get into a weekend update and stuff like that, and Pete Davidson talking about uh, Trump and, and his uh, his spot about talking about the presidential politics. I felt like all these other candidates, uh, Bernie Sanders even was, you know, taking shots from SNL. I thought I thought they just hit everybody else pretty good. And Hillary was there in person. It seemed like, you know, they officially are endorsing Hillary. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, normally when we get a Hillary bit, when it's just Kate McKinnon, we're usually making fun of Hillary. Do they hit super hard? No, but they're they're definitely taking shots at her. I just think that right now, when you're looking at the landscape, taking politics completely out of it and just looking at comedy, it, it's sort of like, why would you bother making fun of Hillary right now? Other than she's in a sketch, and I'll, we'll talk about the sketch specifically, th- there's no reason to. There's so many interesting people in the Republican primary specifically who are going to not be political fodder in three months. Mm-hmm. Hillary, we're going to be making fun of for the next 18 months. So I, I, I kind of get it comedically that it's just there's nothing big. I mean, we could have done more email deleting stuff. 
kind of who cares. I was surprised they didn't touch on the email at all. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't even a joke about it. But it's I think that's absolutely coming. I think that there's we've got a lot of time. There's I don't think there's going to be a ton of stuff on Hillary. So I think that we're going to get all that stuff as we you know, once we get into, you know, who's the Republican, you know, you know, Republican candidate, Demo, you know, primary of uh, Republican candidate, Democrat candidate. And we're getting into primary cold opens. We're going to just see tons of Hillary stuff. So I kind of get go after the people that are probably not going to be around and are such easy targets right now. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to bigger and better things from uh, from Trump on SNL. Yes. I felt like this was a, uh, a you know a good start, but I'm looking for uh, for bigger and better coming up. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about the monologue, which I actually liked this idea of what they did, where Miley Cyrus serenaded us of uh, these these song. Uh, well, uh, was my way? My way. Yeah, yeah my way. And so. <laughs> Ultimately, we said goodbye to all the people from the summer of 2015. Yeah, well, so first we just have to talk about Miley Cyrus coming out and wearing my grandmother's uh, shower mat. I don't understand. I I mean, I just assumed, as we've seen, like when Jim Carrey comes out dressed like the devil, there is a reason it is going to be addressed in the cold open. So it was very odd when there was just sort of no whatever. Uh, so and I want to talk about this and then I want to talk for a second about Miley Cyrus. But so but talking about that, I thought this was great. I thought this was such a great way to sort of quickly sort of get the quick hits of all of the kookiness that happened over the summer without having to sort of make a meal out of it to see, you know, the dentist that shot, you know, the tiger for just a quick hit. Do we need a sketch about it? No, not at this point, but I love that we sort of get to address it, you know, whether it's Kim Davis or Rachel Dozer. I mean, all this stuff was really great. And then the, uh, the Jared Fogel slash Josh Duggar bit was great. I thought that was a great sight gag said a ton of stuff. So I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I thought it was really fun, too. And it was really good. You know, you didn't have to have Miley doing anything other than just singing the song and everybody got to sort of come out and do their own thing. So, yeah, very, very happy. Yeah, great. I mean, Bobby Moynihan, I thought, did a dead on impression of the pizza rat. I thought that was he really just he captured the essence of pizza rat. And so it was really good. Uh, And yeah. And then, you know, obviously Miley's not a comedian. So not having her try to do any heavy lifting here. She did what she does well, which is sing. Uh, You know, the the thing I will do say about the monologue, which then sort of will track to the whole episode is and this is in no way a critique of Miley or an endorsement of Miley. I don't get who Miley wants to be perceived as. I don't understand the character that she wants me as not the diehard fan to think that she even is. Whether she is or not is almost irrelevant. I don't get, is she trying to be, she's not quite now sexy Miley. She's not sort of like, like bad girl Miley. She's not down home Miley. Is she stoner Miley? Like I couldn't get especially in these outfits and some of the stick she was doing and the songs, I couldn't get my head around what I'm supposed to think about of her, regardless of what I actually think about her. Uh, that's a good question for James when he comes on. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully James can shed some light. So I, think, I, I think that made the episode a little bit more challenging in writing for her because we don't know who she is. Not Hannah Montana. Right. And obviously in sort of the surprises of the episode, how is Vanessa? This is the first time that we've had Miley Cyrus on the show where Vanessa Bayer did not play Miley Cyrus with Miley Cyrus. So I don't that shocked me. I'm sure no one's more shocked than Vanessa Bayer, who thought she was guaranteed a major slot in the show and did not get it. 
Okay. We have a commercial coming out of the uh, monologue for Abilify. And this was where we were taking uh, some shots at the other guys who are running for the Republican nominee for president. And uh, I did think that this is a funny idea because there's these 17 people or so. And I guess it's less than 17 now because a couple of them dropped out. But all these people running for the Republican nominee and are polling at like this point nine percent and all these, uh, you know, showing up. They can't even get on the main debate. They got to be in like the pre-show debate that's on before that. Um, And they're talking to their family members about what that's like. (laughs) Very funny. Yeah, I thought this was really funny. You know, I don't know that I was screaming in laughter, but I thought this was a really funny idea. Just a great nod of like, how do you possibly think you're going to win and sort of playing with that and having a lot of fun with that. So I, yes, I absolutely thought it was really funny. I thought they did a great job. I mean, to the extent that I don't even know who Beck Bennett was playing. I did no idea who that guy was. So, and I'm sure it was a real person. So that really made me laugh. I thought that was really fun. Uh, And really though, I thought the, you know, the home run here was the, the, the women of SNL because they're the straight person in this sketch was actually where all the, the comedy was to be like, to be like, Oh yes, honey. Uh-huh. Like it was, it was really good. So it was, it, I don't know that it's something we're going to remember in two weeks, but, but a nice solid start to the show. Yeah. All right. So we go to our first live sketch then, and it is like basically a parody of some sort of Greece uh, type scene where everybody's at a dance and everybody's singing and dancing and, um, talking about like uh, what's what's going on at the high school for the homecoming. And then Miley is like a uh, bit of a gangster and she is rapping and being uh, sort of crazy with the new guy. Rich, what was your take on this? Uh, I think, again, this sort of really falls into the same pocket of I don't know what I'm supposed to think of Miley. So I don't get the this was kind of a weird like, OK, we're set in the 50s, but one person's rapping. Uh, my guess, again, is this was probably a late sketch that was going to happen late in the evening. Hillary's running late. We can't go to Hillary. We need to move something logistically. What can we move staging wise, costume wise, who's in the thing wise? I'm guessing they pulled this up way early uh, to do something. The only other possibility how a sketch like this made it so early is that it was Miley's idea. There's a very good chance that Miley pitched this and Miley really wanted to do this. Um, you know, it was absolutely cute. Uh, I didn't particularly love it. It was a one note joke. And because I couldn't quite get my head locked into my league coming into the sketch, I wasn't quite sure what the sort of game of the scene was, what the what the whole premise that what is it what we're saying was come in the sketch. So uh, I could see maybe Miley fans finding this funnier because they know something I don't. Yeah, I also thought it took a long time to get to what the joke of the sketch was. Like, I feel like yes. there was a good portion. And I'm like, wait, where is this going? Wait, what's uh, am I missing it yet? And then she starts rapping and then Keenan comes in and then uh, she, she has to date this uh, date that guy or Keenan's going to date the guy. Yes. I, yes. Yeah, I found it pretty confusing. And, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly amused with this one. I thought that was a real miss in terms of first live sketch of the season. Yeah. I felt like it, it, it felt a little filler like to me. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I would agree. All right. Well, let's not spend too much time there because let's talk about Val, the bartender here is the, <laughs> the appearance from Hillary Clinton that everybody's been waiting for here. She is. And she plays the bartender with Kate McKinnon playing 
Hillary Rich. Was this about what you expected from Hillary Clinton tonight? I would say this was better than I expected. And again, you know, having nothing to do with politics, whether we're talking about, you know, Republican, Democrat, politicians are not actors. They're not comedians. They're not used to live TV in this way. So we're never going to get hilarious comedy from a politician cameo. That said, I thought it was much more fun than the classic, you know, Hillary comes on as Hillary talking to the Hillary impression and then we just check off a number of classic jokes that you would have seen coming. This was a little bit more fun. I thought Hillary seemed much more comfortable. She seemed to really have fun with it. Of course, she's tied to the cue cards. How could she not be? This is not what she does. But when you sort of let go of that, I thought a lot of fun. And of course, I'm sure what everybody will be quoting this week will be the fun that that Kate McKinnon as an openly gay lesbian woman had with her about, you know, the whole gay rights issue and saying, ah, I could have I could have come to that earlier and Hillary saying, you know, I, I did come to it pretty early. And she's like, yeah, but you could have come even earlier. I thought that was a really fun. Moment. Yeah, that was great. Was really, that was a really, really fun moment. I thought uh, with, with the two of them and I thought that it was really well done. And yeah, it wasn't the typical SNL thing where, you know, Kate McKinnon is doing the impression and then Hillary walks out into yes. the scene. It was great that they had Hillary as this other character who was sort of like her own fully formed character in that scene talking with Hillary Clinton. And she was a really good uh, sport. about. again, I felt like they were a little bit kid gloves uh, with her. I felt like sure. you probably yes. could you could have gotten an email joke in there. I was surprised there was no email joke. And I, I'm sure that must have been a condition of her showing up because that there they were at points obviously looking for things to make fun of because, OK, we're talking about her perception. She's cold. She wants it so bad grandmother oh okay okay and so obviously an email joke would have been so i'm sure that was like hey i, I i'm trying to get that I, i'm sure she asked to not do that i'm sure course. so so yes. then uh what do you think about the appearance of the daryl hammond clinton i loved it i love i mean i love it it just it makes me happy it just makes me happy for him to show up he did nothing he said one line and just ran out and it was just like it just made me happy and i think and that's the thing i was thinking about why he you know oh, originally i wanted him to be trump this is where someone like daryl hammond should be it's just gonna it's a drop in it's a cameo it's a one or two line and make everyone laugh and get out he just brings such joy to that stage when he's doing Bill Clinton. So I thought it was super fun. I mean, isn't it kind of crazy that Daryl Hammond's like two signature characters from his SNL tenure have, you know, become like very important figures in the, you know, political landscape of 2016. It is absolutely bizarre. No question about it. Yes. (laughs) And he happens to be the the new announcer. And he's the the announcer and he's there. That's the crazy part. He's he's there, which is crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't really like a year ago. They were like, well, this is important for, you know, maybe you you saw the Bill Clinton thing. Nobody saw the Trump thing coming. Yeah. Hillary, obviously, we've known for a while. But the the Trump thing, I mean, who that? Yeah, that's stunning to me. (laughs) Now, Rich, I did think that the Hillary uh, sketch kind of fell apart for me with the lean on me musical part of it because i felt like it was neither funny nor a great musical performance and i was a little bit like what are they trying to do here well i i I guess i would disagree in that i liked it was it hilarious no but i liked it 
you've got Hillary Clinton singing a song and passing it, 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 you know, it structurally did start to fall apart, but the energy as opposed to one more joke and then we're out. I did like the sort of energy that that brought to it. It clearly was a little all over the place, but I, I, I enjoyed it just to see Hillary have a little bit more fun, loosen up a little bit more than she has. So uh, for me, I liked it. Okay. All right. So we go from that into the musical stylings of Miley Cyrus. We saw that Hillary Clinton introduced Miley Cyrus. What'd you think of that, Rich? Uh, good on her. She's going after the youth vote. I doubt she could have picked out Miley Cyrus in a lineup, but good on her. It was <laughs> really fun. All right. Here is for the first time in season 41, uh, the great uh, editor of Exclaim Magazine, James Keese. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, very good. Welcome to Blab to talk about SNL. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for having me. Yes. I just want to let you know I'm on a seven second delay. Okay. (laughs) I won't ask whether that's from smoking or not. So, uh, James, tell us that Rich had some good questions about Miley and her persona right now. Can you tell us what is Miley going for these days? Uh, Honestly, I have no idea. And (laughs) it seems to change uh, every six to eight months. Although I do think that uh, her backing band for the first song tonight is part of the reason why. Uh, and that is the Flaming Lips. Oh, okay. That makes sense to me. So that was Wayne Coyne. And Wayne Coyne and Miley Cyrus have been spending a lot of time together in the last while. Maybe a little creepy. Don't really want to get <laughs> into that. Uh, but they play, they are her backing band on the free record that she just dropped a a month or so ago the songs of which she was playing tonight so and they also just uh after the show tonight announced that they're going on tour together where the flaming lips will be her backing band and then also play themselves Hmm. so uh she's been spending a lot of time with wayne coin and wayne coin is kind of a art for art's sake weirdo and i think that's particularly where a lot of the costume ideas are coming from and uh, to a certain extent, I think where some of the musical direction is headed. I guess that makes sense. I Yeah, okay. But I, honestly, what I think is really interesting is I don't know. She doesn't know. I don't think she really cares. She doesn't need the money. She doesn't need to maintain her Hannah Montana audience. And so she just says, she just seems to be thinking like, I'm just going to try a bunch of interesting things and do what interests me. And I'm, I ha- I'm not beholden to a certain image or a certain record company or even a certain audience, because I think for a lot of her sort of Hannah Montana audience, they're going to leave because they have to, you know, in the same way that you want to go to university, not in the town you grew up in. Hannah Montana fans are going to go and become a fan of somebody else. And Miley's going to turn into an adult artist and going to be a totally different and interesting one, I think. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think the costume art side and the music side are necessarily always on the same page. Yes, that I, I yes, that was very confusing to me. Yeah. OK, well, let's get into uh, the two different musical numbers. Let's start with that fir- first number. And I guess let's start with the outfit that she's wearing in that. Well, what, what would you say she's going for? Is that like Eve in the Garden of Eve? The Garden of Eden? I thought maybe she was uh, playing hide-and-seek in a craft store, and she had hidden Mm. in a big bucket of stuff, and then she just stood up, and and that's, you know, what she was wearing on stage. Yeah, I I couldn't tell if she was trying to be sexy, because underneath all of the nonsense, her outfit was actually fairly skimpy, which was just so odd to me. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get my head around it. She seems to be on a real hot streak, pardon the pun, of sort of non-sexualized nudity recently. She seems to be naked everywhere, and it doesn't seem to be 
particularly a, a sexy uh, intent. She just mm. likes to be naked or, or you know, it, it, she's not Rihanna okay. right. in her love of exhibitionism. All right. Well, let's talk about the actual music. Uh, what did you think of the actual first song that she did? So Karen, Don't Be Sad was the first song. Uh, both of these are from this free record that she just dropped at the end of August that she says she's been working on for five years uh, that she made with Wayne Coyne and the Flaming Lips and also... Uh, Mike Will made it, the producer and rapper Big Sean is on it. It's a very eclectic uh, sounding thing. And it, I mean, it's such a beautiful kind of straightforward mid-tempo song that I was thinking like, this could be a big hit for like a mid-70s, like sort of slightly psychedelic (laughs) singer-songwriter type. Like this could be on a a solo record by a member of Fleetwood Mac or James Taylor could make this into a hit. Okay. Yeah. Will will we see that collaboration soon? Miley and James Taylor? (laughs) Maybe. The other one I kept thinking was Elton John, just where the presentation was so over the top in one way and the songs would just be, you know, pretty simple and, and catchy kind of radio hits. Maybe Uh, in the same way that uh, Lady Gaga was working with Tony Bennett, she'll find her Elton John or James Taylor. Maybe. Although that might be Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne may yeah. just be that, and, uh, <laughs> and and this is what this is the Miley we're going to get. Well, what did you think of the performance, James? Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was really uh, you know interesting, and she's such a good singer that she can basically do whatever she wants. And so, what's interesting is what she chooses to do because I think if she wanted to keep making stuff like Bangers, which was her record from a couple of years ago, that was a very you know sort of hip hop heavy production, and you know kind of typical you know in the Katy Perry kind of lane but now she's just decided like she has this band the debt pets and she's just gonna make weird psychedelic music and and because she's such a great singer and I think she's so curious musically I'm always gonna wonder what it's gonna be and I don't think it's necessarily always gonna be obvious all right well let's speaking of the dead pets uh let's talk about the <laughs> second song that she sang which from what I understand is an homage to her animals that died I don't well the band is called Called the dead pets and so is the album and then there were seemingly dead pets on the piano and then of course she break she broke down at the end of the song and and you know she was fighting tears sort of for the last third clearly and then uh you know then there's a little screaming section and she's a she has a great rock scream which i hadn't really appreciated before uh and then she she you know breaks down in tears at the end and i i don't know that if the song is about the pets i i was sort of trying to you know listen for clues in the lyrics and nothing seemed that obvious and it is <laughs> I don't know what to say about the pet. You know, it's interesting on, on this song. I had two totally different experiences. I had an experience watching it and I had an experience listening to it with my eyes closed because watching it, I was just all I was doing was thinking in my head, how many sketches do we have left? What's going on? Should I actually fast forward? And at one point, because uh, it was late, I had closed my eyes and I went, actually, this is kind of good. Like, I kind of like this. Uh, and then I'd open my eyes and I was instantly annoyed with it again. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, not, not what she's wearing, the, the the piano with the drapery and, and the, the, the tchotchkes. And I just it was so hard to get my head around. But I thought the song itself, when I was just listening to it, as simple as it was, I don't know, kind of, kind of good. Yeah, that's the contradiction right now. And you don't know if if she's going to keep going in the uh, art craft direction or in the if the music is going to continue being in, in if she's going to continue on in an interesting direction there, too. I I think she's just trying stuff because she's 
22 and rich. Yeah. Fair enough. Why not? All right, James, are you looking forward to the weekend next week? I'm very much looking forward to the weekend. They, they flopped the, uh, the season premiere in the second episode, weirdly. I don't know why. Uh, because the two people that had the biggest summers are certainly the host and the musical guest for next week. Okay. All right, James, great job again. Uh, follow James on Twitter. He's at Exclaim Editor. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck with the Mets, but not too much good luck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, James. All right, Rich. So let's talk about Weekend Update. And uh, it was an interesting uh, night for a Weekend Update. Uh, No change made here on Weekend Update with uh, the beleaguered uh, pairing of Jose and Michael Shea. They are back. And you're happy that they did not touch this? You know, you got to give them time. I mean, you got to give them more than half a season to to really sort of settle in here, you know, or, you know, a season. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm not feeling the chemistry between the two of them that I would like to see. Uh, and I don't know why I feel like that's Che and I'm not sure if there actually is a lack of chemistry or if they're going for something that I'm not getting yet. Um, you know, in our chat room, choose for president says, bring in Cecily strong. You guys know my feeling. She was robbed. She was doing great. She should have stayed on. Uh, but that said, this is who we have. So it is what it is. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know that the two of them together did anything sort of amazing. I think most of the funny jokes, I don't remember them any specifically came from the Jost side of the house. I don't know that, uh, Michael Che had any of the, of the bigger laughs this week, although that is obviously there's writers, so it's not them. Uh, so between the two of them, Let's see what happens. I, I'm still jury's still out. I, I want to give him a little more time. Okay. So, Rich, we ended up with uh, three panelists here. The first was the Pope made a made yes. a visit to Weekend Update. <laughs> Kyle Mooney as Pope Francis. Kyle Mooney as Pope Francis for the second time in one episode because he did a cameo in the monologue when we saw, um, you know, the the this court whatever woman uh, showing up. Uh, he he then did he did a little cameo there. So, yeah, th- I think this could be a very funny impression. This could be a very funny character. I think they still need to sort of find what exactly is it are we are we doing a thing like we used to do with uh with you know david patterson when uh fred armison used to do it where he's sort of like doing shtick the character i mean or is it he's trying to be sort of the hip guy uh so i thought a very uh, uh i like the chemistry i thought very a very congenial impression uh still just probably if we're going to do it again we kind of need to figure out comedically who is this pope compared to the real pope still still a little muddy for me just a uh, interesting aside with that uh, piece of weekend update. Our own Antonio Mizarro, who hosts uh, a couple of shows on post show recaps uh, with us, he tweeted that he thought that uh, Pope Francis bit in weekend update was one of the worst thing that SNL has done in years, and it was favorited. The tweet was favorited by SNL alum Jim Brewer. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Look at us. How about that? Yeah. I was very surprised that he felt like it was the worst thing in years. Uh, I mean, you know, you put that next to any three minutes of Garth and Cat. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, there's so many, you know, how many Fred Armisen, Nicholas Faye, the comedian. I mean, there's so many things I could point to that I thought were way worse than that. But 
absolutely, if you're going to bring it back, and I suspect we will not, uh, certainly needs this sort of structurally from a comedic standpoint, we need to go back and go, okay, who is this guy? And, and they certainly did not crack that just yet. Felt This felt like they were throwing a lot of comedic premises at the wall, maybe to sort of see who sticks, see what sticks on, on air, uh, and then we could see a refined character if they choose to do it. Now, we ended up going to the well to uh, hit with both of our non-character resident comedian guests here. First was uh, Pete Davidson that we heard from him back here tonight to talk about uh, politics. We surprised that we went with so few characters and went uh, with just the comedians on the weekend update desk. I wasn't because I actually wasn't surprised by this because, you know, I think these are the two uh, people that I think that the the team, the production of SNL things is hitting most with the younger audience. Uh, and I think that they wanted to get a Pete Davidson and early on uh, this, obviously that, you know, the, the bit that he was doing could have been next week, the week after December, doesn't matter. I think they wanted to get Pete Davidson in the show early because he's uh, a little bit of a young favorite. And then the same thing with Leslie Jones. I think up until this point in the show, Leslie Jones has had very little to do. And I think that they see her as sort of a big kind of a big up and coming star on the show. Uh, And so I think that they absolutely wanted to plug her in as well. So I certainly get it. The only thing that surprised me was the order. Typically on an on a weekend update, you would have had the character in between the two real people doing basically stand up comedy. So it was a little surprising how they sort of ordered this when Pete Davidson compared Donald Trump to Sanjaya. Did you think that was an apt comparison? Loved it. Loved it. I thought that was great. Absolutely great. And as someone who watched that season of American Idol and listened to Howard Stern during that uh, season, uh, it was a a great callback and and a very fun sort of call. Did it bother you that he said Sanjaya came in fourth place? I did. I I didn't think he actually made it that far, but I I didn't remember. Is that inaccurate? It's inaccurate. He came in seventh place, Sanjaya. Okay. that I you know what? I guess it did. It did bump me a bit because when he said that, I went, that doesn't sound right. But uh, so great Pete Davidson. Again, I, you know, as we always talk about these guys, you know, Pete Davidson was asked to come on to speak about something and he actually spoke about it, even though he was coming at it from a point of view of I don't know. Uh, I thought it was great. And the idea that Donald Trump being in the fight would actually make him want to vote because it would be that important to him was great. So I thought other than the fact that Pete Davidson has never looked higher during a weekend update sketch that he looked, I would say, almost insultingly to the audience high. Uh, I thought it was one of his better people pieces because it was on topic it was insightful it was relatable it didn't go on too long and it wasn't just clearly a stand-up chunk that was refashioned to match a current event so i loved it i thought it was great now is that a thing though are young people very concerned about donald trump being president i don't know i mean i you know i i would imagine maybe so i think that that might get people to come out and vote if they uh you know could anyone actually imagine donald well we won't get into politics but uh i will say it it, yes i have to imagine that there's a there's a kernel of truth to that that he tapped into okay then uh in terms of leslie jones how do you think she did back now they mentioned of course that she was in the ghost movie is that intentional was that a uh a- oh yeah 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 i mean i think that it you know i could have seen it one or two ways they always want to 
absolutely shoehorn in an unnecessary her hitting on Colin Jost as the structure of her appearances. Don't need it. If it's not organic to what you're talking about, guys, it's fine. We get it. You're great. We don't need to go to that well every time. So I could, I don't know if it was like just giving her the props that she deserves and sort of trying to anoint her as a star, or if it was just literally she wanted to say, I ain't afraid of no Jost, and that she was saying that all during the shoot and she couldn't wait to say that on live TV. Either way, it was absolutely fine. Okay. Uh, what about the content of what Leslie Jones had to say? I thought it was very fun. Very fun. Had nothing to do with current events whatsoever. She's our relationship expert, you know, which is why we're sort of putting this sort of stand-up chunk here. Uh, but I thought it was very fun. I uh, Well, uh, anyway, yes. Yeah. So I, the timing of this, as well as one of the sketches we saw, I thought was a little redundant in very broad terms. But uh, I thought it was good. Great energy. Great jokes. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Okay. All right. Anything else on Weekend Update? No, good timing. Didn't feel like the whole bit went on too long, which can sometimes happen with three uh, appearances. So, yeah, it's pretty solid. Okay. So we come out of Weekend Update and we talk about the millennials. And so, Rich, uh, is this potentially going to be the new Californians? Uh, You know what? My wife said that to me as soon as it ended. She's like, oh, this is going to be the new Californians. Uh, Yeah, I think we will see it again. I think uh, now I feel like this was I like the sketch, by the way. I, I thought it was very fun. I enjoyed it. I thought that if we we had last season Dakota Johnson hosted and we did a thing about winter office and the yes. window being opened, uh, which I thought was a much more intelligent and less broad brush painting of millennials uh, that I thought was more clever and insightful. I thought the millennials was just funnier. I just thought it was just a lot of funny jokes and funny characters. And again, you know, what what makes so much, you know, this is, this is a sketch where really uh, the straight men are really getting most of the laughs because it's, it's the reaction to uh, this Kate McKinnon, wonderfully over the top asking for a promotion after three days, wanting to be like, what'd you say? VP of, of pictures because she knows Photoshop. Photoshop. I just, I just love that. And uh, you know, her and it was identifying as, as uh, or him identifying as gay, even though the whole thing was just great. And the whole gender thing was really fun. So uh, even though I understand clearly, if you're going to make fun of millennials, the go-to is that they're always on their phone. You can't sustain a reoccurring sketch with that. You, you have to let that go. If you're going to bring this back again, which I think that they will. uh, and, And it was funny. It was, it was a good, a good solid piece. So what are we watching for the next time they have sort of a young person host? We go back to the millennials. I think so. I think, I don't think we'll see it again this year, but I think coming into our January episodes, I could definitely see another young actress or actor wanting to do this and make fun of their own thing and hopefully bring some more. I was, I was surprised there wasn't more references to millennial based uh, apps. So we didn't get a Snapchat joke mm-hmm. or a, you know, or a blab dot i am joke look at me being current the millennials love blab dot i am exactly so what uh, the m stands for <laughs> exactly so uh yeah so i'm surprised by that uh but uh overall uh it was very fun it was a very a very fun piece uh it was just great to see bobby moynihan gets get some screen time albeit it was pretty small uh john rudnisky getting uh, a good amount of uh, screen time here for a featured player so it was fun all right rich then we have this sketch that takes place uh in the deli from when Harry met Sally, has there ever been a more random setup for a sketch? <laughs> yes. I, uh, yeah, I thought the, the cat's deli sketch, uh, 
odd choice to put it in when I felt like we had a, you know, Leslie Jones in the weekend update, you know, segment was in, she wasn't doing an orgasm, but it was in this area. So it felt a little redundant to me uh, for Leslie Jones topic wise. Um, I, I thought this was absolutely just a performance piece. Uh, it reminded me, this is going to make no sense to anyone else, but it reminded me of the pieces that I like when uh, Bobby Moynihan and Cecily Strong think that they're going to get fired and they start going on a rant, making fun of everybody. And it's not the funniest thing and it makes no sense in the world, but it's just performance. And I thought this was just, we're watching Leslie build and build and build and build and just constantly the condom breaking every time and the the penis the small pecker everything about it uh was a funny performance on paper mm, yeah I don't, you know I, I don't i don't know that i needed this sketch in my life but it was fun to see her go to 11 and as i've said about her she's actually better than just 11 that uh that in general what i liked about coming off of the weekend update piece is that in weekend update she was not playing at 11 she was often hitting nice peaks and valleys and here was 11 so okay i get it is this a real place that people really go to go yes. to the table yes. to sit at mm-hmm. the when harry met sally deli i can't say whether this the table is still there but yes cat's deli it was shot on location my understanding is the deli is still around so that that is a thing uh i mean and even though the two pieces of sort of the the white girls first and then the leslie jones piece almost felt very different i actually i was quite amused by the now how many years later from when harry met sally were doing sort of the the white housewife character Character wanting to do the pretending to do an orgasm i thought vanessa Bayer was very funny in this her doing her uh, her impression of billy crystal was like a cute little assist that i thought was really nice yeah i did feel like it was two different sketches where it was like yes. the first sketch was yes. like leslie jones didn't know what they were talking about and then leslie jones had her own like second half of the sketch yes it would absolutely it felt like two pieces put together yeah. so yeah <laughs> all right let's talk about the movie parody uh the squad which to me felt like this was uh very reminiscent of the Bajancy from was that mm-hmm. last season where uh, you yes. weren't allowed to say that you didn't like Beyonce. Here we have uh, it was uh, who was it? Was it uh, Kate McKinnon or this was Vanessa Bear with AD Bryant? Vanessa Bear and AD Bryant, yeah. yeah. And they were the only people left that were not in Taylor Swift's squad. Yeah, so obviously we're sort of mapping Taylor Swift onto The Walking Dead. At least that's how it sort of felt where they were going. Uh, you know, I, 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 for me, I don't know that this worked for me so much. It made me giggle, um, but I don't know that this was something I would ever go back to. It felt like, again, a little muddy in what it was. So, yeah, it, it didn't really do much for me. Not surprised that this is very close to the end of the show. Production value was incredible. Like, they really did a yes. great... It yes. looked great. It wasn't yes. super funny, but they really uh, have nailed down these fake movies. Yes, they did a very good job. Very good job, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Are you in the Taylor Swift squad? You know, I'm squad adjacent. I have been waitlisted to the squad, so I'm waiting to see if I my number gets called into the squad. I'm hoping. We'll see. All right, so then we have one of these uh, throwback-type shows where we do, like, uh, whether it's uh, sort of... It, it wasn't like one of these, like, uh, American uh, classic movies movies or uh, this was sort of like a bit of a documentary about a woman named Ruby Nichols played by Leslie Jones who was a talk show host in the 60s 
the fifties, I think the they 50s, were going for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Again, uh, I, I, maybe I was a little Leslie Jones out by this point, not to say I don't love her, but, uh, we had a lot of Leslie Jones from weekend update forward. Um, so yeah, this was a cute idea, um, that I thought was, it was definitely cute. It was sort of jumped around a bunch, um, I like that they're doing this kind of Le- stuff. that, you know, we go so much Leslie Jones and then like, we barely see Miley Cyrus for like the f- middle 45 yes. minutes of the show. Like we see her yes. in the millennial sketch and that's really it up until, you know, we see her as the guest here in this case, like Miley did not really have a lot to do in this episode. No, that's true. They really sort of pulled her back, especially on the comedic, you know, cats of her, you know, whatever, like uh, in the squad, she shows up in a very small role. You know, we're seeing her in, in the Ruby Nichols. She's playing Haley Mills. Very, I mean, so screen time, but not they're, they're not giving her any heavy lifting at this point. So uh, maybe they just knew she was going to be too stoned by weekend update <sighs> to do any heavy lifting based on what she said. So uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, anything stand out for you from the Ruby Nichols sketch? Uh, no, I mean, I liked what they were going for. It jumped around a little bit sort of tonally. So, um, no, it was cute. It was a cute idea. Okay. Okay. Then we went right into the wedding of Kyle Mooney to Miley Cyrus in the dressing room. I believe we did this also the last time she was on the show, right? Yeah. So this was in essence sort of a, I want to say a callback or this was a, this was like a flat out continuation in the, when she was in the, the second episode of season 39. So two year, almost two years ago to the day, uh, they had a pre-tape it at the end where Kyle, uh, where Miley Cyrus is into Kyle Mooney and he's being weird about it. And it was, our, one of our favorite pieces of that night. It was a really fun piece. Uh, this actually featured her less so. It was more about her than it was with her. Um, much more bizarre, much weirder. I really liked this a lot. I thought this was really fun. And I thought for the good neighbor sketches, and again, for our, if people who haven't been with us for a bit, uh, Kyle and Beck and uh, one and their uh, Kyle Beck and one other gentleman uh, were in a sketch group called Good Neighbor that was directed by a guy they brought on to be a director of, of video pieces. So uh, a lot of these pre-tapes are sort of their bits in, in a way that the Lonely Island used to be. Uh, I thought this was one of their best because it was weird, but it wasn't weird for the sake of weird. There was a very clear sort of three rule line they usually don't do weird very well they don't do weird often but they don't do it very well when they have so i thought this was and that's not fair to say but this was the best of that so uh i thought this was really fun really clear ending to the sketch uh i i liked it It was a great way to end the night for me in terms of 1255 sketches how did this rate for you A, a solid a i thought this was great this is the kind of weird what are you doing but still funny, made me laugh. Uh, it's exactly what I want to see at 12.55. Loved that. Did, did it make you sad that Kyle Mooney is dead now? It is unfortunate. And he just got promoted from featured player. It was so sad. But some of the greats, they, they go too soon. What are you going to do? <laughs> sad. That's an L curse. <laughs> All right. Uh, Richard, of course, uh, we can't wrap up the show until we talk about the goodbyes from uh, the audience, uh, from Miley Cyrus and everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, great. Uh, obviously, a lot of energy. No moat whatsoever. Uh, no moat. So it was good to see everyone sort of together. Uh, John, the new guy, front and center. Very excited to be there. A lot of love from the gang to him uh, in his uh, debut episode. Uh, and just seemed like a lot of positive energy. Uh, I think Bobby was off to the side. I couldn't quite, I didn't get a read 
beat on Bobby, uh, who everyone here knows I love, and had a very light night, very light night for him. Uh, but in general, seemed to be a, a positive. I think a lot of the cast had a light outside of Leslie Jones. I mean, I don't think there was any one cast member that really was all over the place. Yeah. Taryn. I mean, obviously being in the cold open is going to give you a lot of sort of screen time, but I think Taryn carried a lot of the show Beck was doing a lot of supporting work, uh, you know, but again, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this. This is a very large cast for Saturday Night Live. I mean, we just had a few years ago, uh, you know, a, a concerted effort to to get the cast back down to a manageable size. And then people have just been added without losing people. So we're back up to, I think 16 people, I want to say, uh, which is probably too big for, for cast. It's, it's a lot of people. So yeah, a lot of people are going to get lost as, as people certainly did this week. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts about the Miley Cyrus edition before we start to, uh, look forward to next week with Amy Schumer? Uh, no, only something that you sort of touched on, which is I think sometimes what SNL does well with someone who is popular but maybe not a great sketch person is have them not be the weird thing in a sketch, but in fact be the uh, a straight person in a sketch and let the comedians do what the comedians do. So I thought from an Uber looking at this episode, well played by SNL, having people play to their strengths. All right. So when we look at next week's episode hosted by Amy Schumer, uh, what do you think we're any predictions on what we're going to see in this upcoming episode? Well, I think this is going to be an interesting one because, again, you know, normally stand-up comedians hosting SNL are sort of a weird sort of fit. We'll get a great monologue from Amy Schumer. She's got her HBO comedy special coming up, which is probably what she's sort of most directly uh, uh, going to be sort of promoting. Uh, but but Amy Schumer has her own sketch show. Now, on Amy Schumer's sketch show, Amy Schumer tends to play characters that, as bizarre as they are, are actually uh, – based very much on herself in bizarre situations. She doesn't usually play super over the top characters as SNL was want to do. So the tone of the Amy Schumer show is very different from SNL. So I think we know she's good in sketches, which is great. So we'll get to see her and not just, you know, uh, basically doing, you know, a stand up comedian in a sketch bit, but I don't know tonally what they'll do, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. This is, it, it should be a really fun show. All right. Uh, Trues for president says, uh, who would you guys like to see be featured more moving forward? I mean, you must be new to this if you don't know who I'm going to say. I mean, in, in my world, it's all Bobby all the time. But, Any show that doesn't have a lot more Bobby is 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 really upsetting to me. I mean, but what is this year eight for Bobby Moynihan? If it hasn't happened by now. Is it is it not going to happen? He's in a weird situation in that he doesn't have big characters that everybody wants to go back to. I mean, you know, he last year showed a lot of sign as Ted Cruz. We, if Ted Cruz does something notable, he's in a really good position. Uh, but other than that, he doesn't have a lot of big characters. I mean, I think you'll see him a lot at Weekend Update. We're going to see Riblet back. We're going to see Drunk Uncle back. We're going to see uh, Anthony Crispino back. But outside of that, you know, are we going to see a Fox and Friends where he can play the, the the whatever it is, the third character who's the dumb guy? I don't know. So, you know, are we going to see him as, as, you know, Tonker, Tonk, Tonker Bell's love interest, the Ma- Fievel the Mouse? Probably not. So, you know, I, he I don't know if it's a writing thing that he's not writing and getting stuff on the air or if people are not writing for him. But Bobby needs a character really, really badly. OK. All right. Well, we will discuss it all next week when we talk about the Amy Schumer episode and then ultimately the Tracy Morgan episode uh, two weeks from uh, yesterday. So, uh, Rich, great job back. 
you haven't uh, missed a beat over the summer. I've been waiting. I've been basically just sitting here in front of a computer that's turned off. And so yeah. uh, then, uh, Rich, so next Sunday, we will be back to talk about the Amy Schumer episode. Very excited for that. Very excited. Yes. And then we will be uh, ready to talk about Tracy Morgan in two weeks. I'm really excited for the next two weeks of SNL. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Uh, question, do you think we'll see Bill Hader show up for the Amy Schumer episode? I'm thinking no. Yeah, I mean, he just was on uh, last season. Yeah, I'd be surprised, but you know, some of these I, al- alumni, you can't keep them away. Mono- I could see a monologue. I could see him walking on as a monologue to give her advice on how to host the show. Be fun to see uh, Hater do a little, little show up there. All right, Rich. Well, thank you. Great job. Thank you to uh, for uh, being back here this week. Thanks to James Keast. Great job uh, breaking down Miley. Thanks to everybody who watched us live here on Blab.im. I loved it. Loved loved the new format. Yeah. We're just like SNL. We're changing with the times. <laughs> changing with the times. All right, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, lots more coming up on post show recaps uh, this week, including our recap of uh, the Muppets. Uh, have you watched the Muppets, Rich? I saw the first episode. Yes, I haven't seen the second. We talked about that as well on our weekly uh, scripted TV sh- uh, mishmash uh, show that we're calling uh, Most Shows Recap. Uh, we talked about that over the weekend, plus uh, Walking Dead. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead finale is tonight, Sunday night. Regular Walking Dead is coming back next Sunday. The Leftovers uh, podcast is coming back as well. So a lot going on. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye. 